0: Welcome to the Mick Dark Horror Series. Lights Out Good. Here we go. The candles burnt steadily casting long shadows on the walls surrounding the dinner table. The wax had dripped down the candles, pooling together at the base of the steel holders. The dinner table was set beautifully, the candles merely the finishing touch to the masterpiece. They sat around the table, food waiting to be dished. These congenial family dinners had become a tradition, ever since Simon's first visit home from university. He missed home terribly, and he cherished the quality family time he was granted on his yearly trip back home. He couldn't know for sure, but it was fairly reasonable to assume his family missed him just as much. Not to mention these family dinners were a lovely escape from the typical university diet that consisted of minute noodles and bulk bananas that turned brown the day they were bought. He always made it a point to cook these lavish meals, not just because he enjoyed cooking, but also to showcase his talents and to treat his family. He wanted to show them a few of the specialty dishes he had seen from one of the various cooking shows he indulged in when he wasn't studying. Here they were now, tremendous roast beef with potatoes and Yorkshire pudding before them. Glasses of wine poured for each of them, even his underage brother. Seeing as this was a special occasion, he was allowed one glass of wine. Dressed in their Sunday finest, they looked like one of those families having a meal in a movie. The two brothers, dressed in matching brown chinos with white shirts and blue blazers. Their father, sitting at the head of the table, was donned in a black, full suit with a white shirt. Diana, the mother of the house, sat in a stunning blue summer dress with pearls around her neck. Let us pray. Yet another family tradition, this one undertaken before meals. Their heads were bowed as they prayed to the heavens. Food dished and the plates full. Simon talked about university. He told them of the assignments he had completed, the societies and clubs he participated in, and the many friends he had made. Truthfully, he was failing nearly all his units, had been rejected from joining the clubs and societies he had applied for, and had two friends he saw on a regular basis. But the food was good and the company better. So what harm would a couple white lies do? He filled up his wine glass more than a few times as the stories he told flowed. Liquid to lubricate the lies, perhaps. The wax at the bottom of the candle had pooled up even more since the start of the dinner. The shadows on the wall danced merrily, seemingly imitating the splendor of the family dinner being shared. Simon looked at his brother Kyle, and his heart filled with love. He missed his brother more than anything when he was away, and being back with him meant the world to Simon. Sitting at the table, his story stopped, and his thoughts drifted away, far, far away. He recalled a time when they were young, much younger. They were typical young kids and did not get along, as siblings so often don't. In the incident being recalled, Simon had broken a lamp in the living room and when asked by his mother about it, he blamed Kyle. Needless to say, Kyle was given a spanking by their extremely stern mother. Lamenting on the wrongful punishment he had caused to his younger brother, he felt the pang of regret and sadness. Kyle had grown to be such an incredible brother to him. Even after the mistreatment bestowed upon him, Simon wiped the tear building up in the corner of his eye quickly pretending to scratch his eye. Looking at his parents now, the love he felt for them overwhelmed him. He excused himself to the bathroom to quell the tears and to compose himself. His parents had been nothing but great to him all his life, granting him every desire and wish, being there for him in every way imaginable. God, how he loved them. He wouldn't trade them for the world. He looked at himself in the harsh bathroom light, and saw his eyes were red from crying. No matter. Red eyes were also a symptom of fatigue. He would just say he was tired. He sat on the edge of the bathtub, looked down at the checkered floor tiles, becoming almost hypnotized by the constant black-and-white design. Snapping out of the daze, he looked around the bathroom. It was the same as the last time he was home. Nothing had changed. The fuzzy blue toilet seat cover still sat atop the lid, The toothbrushes all grouped together in a cup on the sink, and the colored towels for each family member hanging on the towel rail. His bedroom had remained equally untouched since his departure. The single bed still sat on one side of the room, with his desk occupying the opposite side. His karate trophies and medals still hanging on the shelf above his bed, and the incredible collection of comic books sprawled under the bed. It was his sanctum. He had moved from the bathroom and now lay on the bed, Taking in the tranquility and joy of being at home. Simon drifted to sleep. The bright beams of sunlight woke him up. He realized he had left his family sitting waiting for him at the table. Silly him. He stood up and stretched, taking off the blue blazer that was now creased, having been slept in. He walked down the stairs and made his way to the dining room. The shadows cast on the wall made it evident that his family now sat waiting for him to have breakfast. He greeted them warmly and apologized for his rude behavior the night before. Sitting down beside his brother, it wasn't long before the terrible smell wafted in around him. I need to take care of you guys if we're going to continue with these lovely dinners that we have. He pushed his chair back and walked to the kitchen. Reaching under the sink, he grabbed the formaldehyde. He would need to make a better mixture, but for now the formaldehyde would be sufficient. He walked back to the dining room and took his family, one by one, to the garage. He needed to fix them to stop the smell. They had grown stiff again, and his mother's skin had begun to peel from her face, again. He would have to try and stitch or staple it back on. He couldn't bear to lose them, he just loved them way too much. What better way is there to keep them around forever, than to keep them preserved? He took their dinner clothes off and laid them on his work table. He could not afford to be so forgetful. He had to take better care of them or they would not make it to the next time he came home. There was no way he was going to lose them after doing everything he could to keep them. They were going to stay fresh forever. The world would not take them from him. He had taken the necessary steps to ensure that. Living in an isolated house in a nobody town has its advantages. Nobody would find and take them from him, they would be here, waiting for him, waiting for his return so they can have their lovely family dinner. The caves were marvelous, mysterious, breathtaking, unbeknownst to most of the world. The small town of Chinoi boasted what should be regarded as one of the wonders of the world. The still pools of Chinoyi caves are something not seen in any other place. The shade of blue taken on by the water is indescribable, but mesmerizing once viewed. Many myths and stories are told about the caves, leading to a reverence whenever one visits the almost holy waters. Walking down the seemingly endless and treacherously chiseled stairs that lead from the mouth of the cave all the way down to the water, it's pitch black and silence fills the air. Silence occasionally interrupted by the chatter and flutter of the wings of the bats that reside in the darkness. The darkness is all-consuming, and one feels an almost omniscient presence filling the caves. Watching and protecting the magnificent spectacle to be viewed, the only lighting comes from the opening at the top of the caves, almost shining a spotlight on the deep blue water. You can see fish at the shallowest part of the pool, but the waters extend past where is visible and continue into the darkness, where nothing can be seen, where anything could be hiding. Toby was speechless walking down the stairs, almost slipping on more than one occasion in the darkness. Using his mobile phone as a means of guiding light, once he reached the bottom, he sat on the rocks on the edge of the water sat staring into silence. Taking out his phone once again, he took as many pictures as he could to show his brother. They were supposed to come together, but Frank felt it would be boring exploring a cave. His loss. Taking off his shoes, he walked and dipped his feet into the water. The sunshine directly on the water had warmed it somewhat, and it felt heavenly on his feet. He could walk deeper, almost up to his waist now. He seemed to be drawn into the water. Couldn't understand the compulsion. Snapping out of the sudden trance, he blinked profusely in confusion and waddled back out of the water towards the rock he had sat on originally. He looked at the rocks around him, marveled at the natural formation of the rocks and the walls. Nature was such an amazing creator. It would be impossible for a human to recreate such natural beauty. He felt blessed to be bearing witness to such splendor. A sharp splash in the water... Jolted Toby from his thoughts and directed his attention to the water. Swimming out of the darkness was what appeared to be a woman. Toby rose immediately, splashed back into the water to assist the woman coming towards him. As she came nearer, he was amazed at the fluidity and ease with which she glided through the water. She seemed to slither through the water. He stood and watched. He was speechless as the woman emerged from the water. He had never seen such a beautiful woman. The water glistened on her skin and her hair flowed endlessly down her back. She stopped where she was in the water and looked at Toby. They stared at each other, neither saying a word. Toby's eyes drifted from her spellbinding gaze and realized she had no swimming top on. This made him wonder if she was swimming in the nude. Noticing where his gaze had drifted, the woman laughed. (laughs) The sound echoed throughout the cave and sent shivers all through Toby's spine. Embarrassed, he quickly averted his gaze only for her to suddenly speak. Her voice seemed to melt his ears. He felt the notes of her voice penetrate his mind, felt he had never heard a voice clearer. Why not come for a swim? Her voice resonated through his being. Before he could reply, he felt his body walk towards the water. He seemingly had no control of his actions. Before he knew it, he was neck deep in the dark and unknown water. She was a little way out from him, and he waddled towards her, trying to keep his head above the water. Realizing he could get to her faster by swimming properly, he swam at full speed towards her. As he neared her, she turned away and began to swim. He saw the movement and stopped swimming immediately, merely keeping himself afloat, as he watched her swim gracefully away. It wasn't feet he saw propelling herself with, but rather a full-sized tail. He had laughed off the notion of mermaids and stranger creatures in the depths of the water. Now he felt a fool, as he felt the inexplicable desire to follow this tailed woman to wherever she was going. She was getting further from him, and so he launched back into his pursuit of her. It was a mix of attraction and curiosity that seemed to propel him faster. Before he knew it, he was pedaling water in absolute darkness. With no idea which way he had come... Panic overcame him and he began to flail in the water. Just as soon as he felt his heart pounding with fear, numerous sets of hands gripped his legs and pulled him under. The darkness surrounding the water enveloped him. It was no longer warm as it had been closer to the land. Now it was icy cold, like death had taken a firm grip on him. Toby saw and felt nothing, only the numbness brought about by the painfully cold water. He was going to drown. Whatever had taken a hold of him was surely going to pull him deeper and deeper into the unknown. A sudden calm washed over him as he realized fighting was futile. He embraced death and was to let the water take him to his grave. As soon as he closed his eyes and loosened his muscles, he felt a sudden rush of air. A dim light wavered from a fair distance, and he realized... He had been dragged to a sublevel of the caves, beneath the water. Coughing and gasping for breath, Toby lay still for a moment, appreciative of the fact that he was breathing in air and not water. Weakly he sat up and saw what he was sure no other man had ever seen before. A lair made solely from the rock formations. And more astoundingly, More than one of the strange woman who had led him there. They all looked alike, moving like serpents with their fish-like tails on the land. They were not as graceful as they were in the water. Toby counted five of them, all moving around in the dimly lit habitat. Their tails made him extremely uneasy. They had extremely feminine upper bodies but the lower body of a fish. The scales made a scraping noise as they moved, and he felt his hair rise with the noise. Oddly enough, he was still very much attracted to them. Not one, but all of them. He was captivated by their beauty. Noticing he was sitting up and surveying his surroundings, they all began to move towards him. I can't wait to tell Frank about this. Toby thought to himself. Thank you. He said to the group as they circled around him. I I thought I was going to drown back there. You saved me. The voice that came back from the mermaid as she spoke was no longer seductive and smooth. It shook him to his very core. He looked up in sudden fear, saw their beauty had dissipated. The tails and midsections remained, but the faces had changed drastically. Gone was the beauty, replaced by dark black and soulless eyes, matched only by the gaping mouth lined with teeth he had never seen before. Evil. He could sense the evil emanating from their very beings. Save you? It asked him. (laughs) No, child. We merely brought food back to eat. The immense cold he had previously felt had a biting effect. The pain inflicted when the women tore into his flesh was unmatched. It's almost like I'm lying on an operating table. The light illuminating the room has a very peculiar glow. Almost angelic. Every object in the room seems to be blessed with a shining aura. It's almost beautiful. I can see everything. It's just the living room. As always, I'd fallen asleep watching TV. It was strange. There was no grogginess when waking. I was suddenly wide-eyed, quite surprised by the weird glow surrounding the room. Off to bed, I tell myself. I try and sit up, but I can't. I shift my gaze from the clock sitting on the wall to the table in front of me. Just a couple of beer cans. There's no way such a meager amount of alcohol could leave me incapacitated like this. That was when I felt it. I say, it Because I can't see whatever it is I'm feeling. It's just a sensation of something. Gargantuan. Behind the couch I lay on. I hear the clock ticking. It's a strange sensation as that's the only sound I can hear. It strikes me as ironic as I seem to be frozen in time and yet I can hear the seconds tick by. I can feel whatever it is behind me isn't here for a friendly visit. My intuition into what's behind the couch seems to gain clarity somehow. I can feel it in an animalistic being. My initial thought is... Werewolf. And although I know they aren't real, the fear has me unable to move. A tightness engulfs my chest. It's as if somebody had sat down right on top of me. My brother's bedroom isn't far. I try and call out to him to help me up. My shouts turn to screams as the horror of the unknown in regard to what lurks behind the couch... Intensifies. A washing sense of sadness passes over me as I realize my screams are falling on deaf ears. Perhaps my younger sibling heard my cries, came out of his room and saw the monstrosity that torments me return to the safety of his room. My heart sinks as I come to the realization that whatever it is isn't going to have an easy time killing me. As I lay as helpless as a newborn baby, I can sense the thing Moving around the couch, making its way towards me. I can see a dull shadow in the corner of my eye as I strain to look as far to the side as I can without moving my head. The terror of paralysis grips me further. I can feel the tears beginning to gather. I can't die like this. Please, no. I can feel whatever it is looking at me, waiting. For what exactly, I don't know. With each passing moment, it grows harder to breathe. I look around, desperately trying to raise my hand to drag myself off the couch. The pictures on the wall glisten in the magnificent light that basks them. The framed picture ever so narcissistic of me, posing during a photo shoot sitting alongside the picture of my brother straddling a motorcycle on the wall. The empty couches in which friends and family have sat. I can see it all. I see it all except the thing that has driven me to the brink of madness with fear. With what I feel are my last breaths, I make a last ditch attempt to scream for my kin. I would call for my parents, but they aren't in the country. What a shock it'll be for them! My brother will walk into the living room in the morning, dressed for school, and bear witness to the bits and pieces of his brother, strewn carefree all across the room. The bits of me that are left. I wonder what his reaction will be. I wonder what my chunks will look like. Will there be blood everywhere? Or will it collect in a pool on the couch? Where surely I'm to die. Hopefully it's a quick death. Although what's killing me is the weight. The unknown. The feeling of the malicious lingering and watching me. At that moment... That sinking feeling of helplessness feels worse than death would. doesn't help that I'm slowly suffocating. A million thoughts run through my mind. Will it stop at me or go for my brother next? For the first time, I try to address the thing. Whimpering like a pathetic mess. I implore it does what it needs to do and leave. As scared as I am, Big Brother Instinct kicks in. I need to ensure he'll be fine once the thing is done with me. Of course, there is no answer. The clock steadily ticks on, counting down my last seconds, presumably. My mind calms as absolute fear takes over. It's strange. Fear leading to a sense of calmness. I've accepted my fate and can but hope my brother will be spared. He was always such a good kid. He still had all his life to live, the calm I felt is replaced by sadness and disappointment at the fact that in my soon-to-be death, I couldn't protect my little brother. He has a pellet gun. Hopefully it'll be enough to scare the thing. He'll probably hear it tear me apart and arm himself. I can but hope. And now I wait. I sit up, gasping for breath. staring around the living room. I can finally breathe and move. It's like I've woken up twice. The sensation is almost indescribable. It's as if I've woken up from being awake. At least in this consciousness I can move. I lie back down, the sinking feeling still in my stomach. I raise my hand for good measure, to ensure I'm fully functional. The feeling of the entity behind the couch is still there. I lay there, close my eyes and say a quick prayer, asking God to protect me from whatever it is. I sit up, grip the back of the couch, and look over.